1: based on the revelation they have Romans chapter 1 that's what it says and the creation itself gives evidence that there's a God and if you stop worshipping anything or anyone other than the God of creation you've already taken a left turn and you'll be judged based on the revelation that you've been given and so nobody's in hell today that didn't choose to be there and nobody will be in eternal damnation that didn't choose to be there they knew they made the wrong choice
0: Romans tells us that God will judge people based on the revelation given to them. Every human receives the revelation that there is a God of creation. As Pastor Danny explains, this means that even those who don't have access to a Bible or were never evangelized will still be judged. There is a God-sized hole in everyone's heart, and if you try and fill this hole with anything other than God, you're choosing to deny Him. When you deny the living God, you'll spend eternity in hell. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans, chapter five, as he begins his message, Reasons to Rejoice.
1: Romans chapter 5 begins with a therefore, that refers back to the previous chapter. So let me give you just a quick summary. The main uh, deal of chapter 4 was following in the footsteps of the faith, and it mentioned Abraham. And the challenge there is if you don't have similarity in your life as a Christian as Abraham, in the footsteps of faith of Abraham, if it's not similarity, then you really ought to question whether you're truly what the Bible calls born again. Abraham followed God's call, he learned to live by faith, he persevered in faith, when he made mistakes, he got back up and kept going, you will make mistakes, if you're the real deal, you'll get back up, you'll keep going. He was a tent dweller, his roots weren't deep here on this planet, he was looking for the city with foundations whose builder and maker is God, he was looking for heaven. We made the statement, I'll just say it again. Those who are true spiritual descendants of Abraham prove their heritage by their walk in life. Also in chapter four, it was the issue of circumcision. Circumcision under the law, big deal, but circumcision represents that religious thing you do, that sacrificial religious thing you might do, that personally sacrificial religious thing you do. But that religious thing without the faith of Abraham means nothing. Things like church attendance. You think you get kudos in heaven because you're here in church, attending a church service? A lot of people attend church services and will never see the kingdom of heaven. A lot of religious people Jesus dealt with in his first coming, and he said, uh, you, you, you're not part of the kingdom. As a matter of fact, he told them, "He told them, you're of your father, the devil, and that really made them mad. They ended up crucifying him. So it's very vital. most important decision uh, you can make is a decision that takes you on the path of Abraham spiritually, that you follow God's call, that you're living by faith, that you persevere in faith, that your longing is not for this world or anything in this world. Your longing is for heaven. Now with that, now we get chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, not by works, through faith in Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just pause there for a minute, because that's a mouthful right there. I will never forget, and I never get tired of saying it, even though you might get tired of hearing it. 19 years old, I knelt in my front yard. I asked God to forgive me. I asked Jesus to come into my life, and guess what? God forgave me. Jesus came into my life, and I was radically transformed. And one of the things I remember about that evening, i had been living for this life, you know, I was living to party hardy and I was living like most of my friends from high school. And I believed in the Bible. I knew about Jesus. And I believed in what the Bible calls hell. And I knew I was headed for hell. I knew I wasn't right with God. And that night when I asked God to forgive me and Jesus to come into my life, one of the things I'll never ever forget, because it's still happening today. I laid my head on the pillow that night, and I did not fear death. And I knew I was no longer headed for hell. And I've known that ever since. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. This grace in which we now stand. We stand by faith in Christ. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's future life. We'll come back to that. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. I don't like that. But that's truth. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man some might even dare to die. For years that verse threw me. I didn't know what it meant. I was confused by that verse. Let me read it again. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. Let me tell you what it means. The righteous man in the context is the person who has said yes to God, who has wherever, whenever, prayed the prayer that I prayed, repented, received Christ, and now you're not part of this world. And the world is not going to treat you like it used to treat you. Now you're righteous by faith. Now you're, New Testament understanding, you're a Christian. And so there's a challenge with that. Jesus in John chapter 15 said, if the world hates me, the world's also going to hate you. And that's why the world's going to hate you, because of your faith in me. And I began to feel that with my former friends when I received Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, they didn't understand why I wasn't going out to the same parties with them. They said, Danny got religion. And I had to tell them, the ones that I got to talk to anyway, I didn't get religion, I got Jesus. There's a big difference. I wasn't just trying to go to church and stop doing the drugs and all the partying. No, I got radically saved. And now there was a disconnect between them and me. I still love them but they changed toward me. That's what this verse means. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. History proves that the world doesn't treat righteous people, righteous by faith, very well. And so nobody's going to say, well, I'll die for him. No. they want to, Sometimes they'll put you on the cross. They want you to die, though for a good man. And this is the one, you know, oh, he's a good guy. She's a, oh, yeah, they're pals. But you're part of the same spiritual group. And there's two groups. Those who are saved, those who are not saved. That's what that verse means. But look at verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The full impact of that. Continue reading. Verse 9, since we've now been justified by his blood, by his sacrifice, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? While we were God's enemies, he didn't wait. Based on our response, whether we say yes to his grace or not, Jesus still came. Jesus still died, and he died for the whole world. He died for those who would not receive him as Lord and Savior, and he died for those who will receive him as Lord and Savior. He died for both. He died for the world. That's love. Verse 10 again, "'For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life?' One more verse, verse 11, not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now, you probably wouldn't have caught it, but three times in those 11 verses, God tells us, rejoice. And every time he says rejoice, he tells us why. He gives us a specific reason why. To rejoice. And that's the message. That's the text. It was easy to title, Reasons to Rejoice. And there are three in the text. Now, there's a lot more than that, but there's three in the text. You know what the first one is? I'm not putting them in the outline in the order we read them. I just felt like this is a more natural flow for the way I want to teach it. And the first is this, rejoice because we're saved from God's wrath. God's wrath. I have a hard time finding preachers that talk about God's wrath these days. Nobody wants to talk about God's wrath. I understand why. You know, we want to talk about, you know, what are your needs and how do it meet your needs and all that kind of stuff. Well, wait a minute. We better talk about God's wrath because it's a real deal. I wish it wasn't. The writer of the Hebrews said, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God's wrath. There is a place right now, a real place while we're sitting here in this church service where people are experiencing the wrath of God. I have a hard time with it. I have a hard time meditating on it. I try not to meditate on it, but listen, it's a real thing. There's a real place called hell. Some people debate, is it real fire? Who cares? It's a place of torment. It's a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And there's a place right now, right now, while we're sitting in this church service called hell. Some people don't believe in hell. You don't believe in hell, you don't believe in Jesus. What do I mean by that? You just take one gospel. Take the gospel of Matthew and just look how many times Jesus spoke of hell. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 22. Jesus says, but... I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, a contemptible term is answerable to the Supreme Court of the day. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Wow. Same chapter. You go down to verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to, be, to go into hell. Now, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what he's saying there. He's not saying literally cut off your hand, literally gouge out your eye, but he is saying You make whatever sacrifice you have to make not to be pulled into hell. You go to Matthew chapter 10. You talk about a practical word from Jesus, verse 28. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew chapter 13, verse 36 to 43. He tells a parable about good grain and weeds. And at the end of the age, at the judgment, God will separate the weeds from the good grain. It's those who are saved and those who are lost. And the weeds, it says, He's going to throw into the fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's heavy stuff. Matthew chapter 18. Oh, it's all over the pages of Scripture. Matthew chapter 18, verse 8. Again. Jesus says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Jesus in another place said, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world, every pleasure you want, everything you want, and yet lose your soul? You will for all eternity regret that you missed out. Matthew 25, I know you wanted me to stop, but it's just all over here. Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46, Jesus tells another parable. This time, it's illustrated by sheep and goats, and the sheep are those who are saved, and the goats are those who are not saved. And in the final judgment, he'll separate the sheep from the goats, and he'll say to the sheep, come, you blessed by my Father, into the inheritance planned for you before the beginning of time. And to the goats, he will say, depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire. Wow. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen, you can rejoice because you'll never experience a place called hell. The future place of wrath is called the lake of fire. The final judgment in Revelation 20, the great white throne. And people, multitudes stand before the throne of God and books are open. And then another book is opened, which is the book of life. It's also called the Lamb's Book of Life. And it says that whoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life was then cast into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is referred to as the second death. First death, if you did not receive Christ as your Savior, and everybody needs a Savior. You go to a place called hell. It's a place. It's a real place. Jesus said it's down. It's somewhere down. And at the great white throne, it says that hell gave up the dead. And all the dead stood before God. And if your name was not found written in the book of life, now you think hell was bad, you get thrown into what's called the lake of fire. Listen, I understand why pastors and preachers don't want to preach on this stuff. Yeah, I don't go away with warm fuzzies and say, "Ah, it was great preaching on hell and the lake of fire. And I have a hard time with it. I have a hard time with the reality Based on the truth of Scripture that people will be damned forever and ever and ever. And some people, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses, I wish they were right. They believe if you're not a saved Jehovah's Witness, at the final judgment, you just get annihilated and you are no more. You're not conscious anymore. You're just not anymore. But that's not what the Bible says. The same words that describe eternal life also describe eternal death. In the book of Revelation, it talks about their torment that's eternal and it goes up forever and ever and ever. I have a hard time with that, but that's what the Bible says. And the one thing that gives me a little bit of comfort Jesus said hell was not created for people, it was created for the devil and his angels. Young teenager asked me last night after the message, because it was a heavy message, and they had questions, and I sat and tried to answer as best as I could, biblically, the questions, and they said, well, if hell is created for the devil and his angels, why does God send people there? And here's the truth. Nobody's in hell that didn't choose to be there. You say, what if they never heard of Jesus? You weren't with us in Romans chapter one, or you forgot, because people will be judged based on the revelation they have. Romans chapter one, that's what it says. And the creation itself gives evidence that there's a God. And if you start worshiping anything or anyone other than the God of creation, you've already taken a left turn. And you'll be judged based on the revelation that you've been given. And so nobody's in hell today that didn't choose to be there. And nobody will be in eternal damnation that didn't choose to be there. They knew they made the wrong choice. Rejoice because we're saved from God's wrath. But then he tells us, Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What is that? Verse I memorized years and years ago, and I pray it often for people. Say it with me. You ready? Here we go. I pray also that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, it's a large subject. I want to just give you some uh, samplings that I think are some of the most glorious things about our future that we have to look forward to. You know what one is? Mm-hmm. We're going to get new bodies, and boy, do we need them. Every birthday, I realize how much I need one, I'm telling you. Philippians says that if we're going to have a body like Christ. Now, people say, well, are we going to be individuals? Absolutely. Will we recognize one another? Absolutely. Lots of scriptures to bear that out. Well, you have a new body. Some of you, I look at you, you don't need one yet. I'm looking at you, you're looking pretty good. But some of us, you've had better days. And I'm including myself in that one. We need a new body. And we're going to get one. But it's not just a new body. It's an immortal body. (laughs) I mean, just sit and chew on that one for a little while. You're going to get a body that's never going to die. Can't kill it. Never going to grow old, and you're going to look good. Never going to look in the mirror again and say, I'd like to change that. No, it's going to be glorious. Everybody's going to be looking. Hey, in eternity, when we're all together, every day, you know, we'll look at each other and say, hey, man, you're looking great today. Say, yeah, so are you. (laughs) Yeah, we'd be looking good. It's going to be glorious. We're going to live in paradise. Have you really tried to digest the truth of this? It's just phenomenal. The book starts out with God creating man and putting him in paradise. He lost paradise because he disobeyed God. He sinned. He was kicked out of paradise. And if you know the story, God guarded the way to paradise. He guarded the way. And guess what's in paradise? The tree of life. And God put angelic creatures to guard the way to the tree of life. When you get to Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Those who have overcome by faith in Christ will get to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Fascinating. The tree yields 12 different types of fruit, and it yields the fruit every month. If I don't forget, I'll come back to that point in just a minute, because it was a fresh revelation for me. Paradise. Forever. And here's one that's also a fresh rhema word for me anyway. Every thought in that future world, will be glorious. Now, you got to think, think about how amazing that is. Isaiah 65, 17 says, when God creates the new heavens and the new earth, and those of us who are, have put our faith in Christ live in that new world, going to be a perfect world, paradise, and it says the former things won't come to mind, they won't be remembered anymore. That cannot mean that God wipes out your memory of the past. Because if God were to wipe out your memory of the past, you wouldn't know why you were there. You'd forget that Jesus sacrificed on the cross as the Savior of the world. No, it doesn't mean you forgot the past. It means it is so glorious that you can't think of anything else but the glory. Revelation 24, there'll be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying. You'll never cry again. And you'll never hurt again. Never wake up and go, Ugh, I don't know, maybe I slept wrong. No. Of course, you don't have to sleep in heaven. The best illustration I can come up with, we were in Colorado a couple of weeks ago, and I loved to snow ski. And we had a couple of days where the, the, the sky was just amazingly blue. And if you've ever seen anything like this in Colorado, and there was fresh snow, And so there's snow everywhere, and I go all the way to the top of the mountain. Here you are like 13,000 feet, and you're looking out, and it is just absolutely gorgeous. And I'm in the zone, if you know what I mean, if you're a skier, in the fresh snow. And it was absolutely glorious, and for a few moments in time in Colorado, I forgot Every problem I ever had in my life, most of the problems, pretty much all the problems in my life were back here in St. Petersburg, sitting in one of the three services this weekend, but for a few moments, going down that mountain from 13,000 feet, it was so glorious. I forgot about everything. That's what heaven's going to be like.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You're welcome to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Danny by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We also encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest messages and videos from Calvary Chapel Fellowship, the church behind this ministry. If you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you in person. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. But if you're unable to visit us in person, no worries. We also offer live stream services. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series in the Book of Romans, our prayer is that you're finding a newfound appreciation for who Jesus is and how your life should reflect Him. Throughout the Book of Romans, we read about the faith that Paul had in Jesus and how he didn't back down from his beliefs. Likewise, we encourage you to stand firm in your faith. The goal of this ministry is teaching the Word and reaching the world. We trust that the Living Word is speaking to many and pray that lives would be changed. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Tune in next time to hear Pastor Danny continue to teach through the Book of Romans right here on The Living Word.